I'm Pastor Mike Winger, and this is Bible Thinker, the program dedicated to thinking biblically about everything. Okay, this worked this time. Welcome to the Tuesday live stream. We're going to talk about why Christians and non-Christians can't agree on faith with special guest Mika, because she laid down there as I was getting ready for the stream, and I didn't want to make her move because she's my cat. So um, I did a poll on Twitter. I actually did a Twitter poll with over 1,300 respondents, and I asked you know you guys, everybody who would get involved, I just wanted them to give their opinion on the definition of faith. So let me put up that poll right here, and uh, I'll tell you the story of what why I did the poll and all that, but here's the original poll. I said, hey, what is faith? Vote so that we will know if you're a Christian or a non-Christian. And I put four poll options. Uh, one of them was that faith is belief without evidence. Actually, really, there's really two options in two categories of people. Faith is either, in this poll, it is belief without evidence, or it is trust. Right? Belief and trust are kind of synonymous terms, but it was either belief without evidence or just trust. And for the people who responded to the poll, um, they were to, hopefully, to vote indicating whether they were Christian or non-Christian. I didn't want to say Christian or atheist. I, I, I didn't have enough space in a poll to put every category in there, so I just put Christian versus non-Christian. Um, what is the definition of faith? The, uh, the results are really interesting, and it's hard to see it from what you're looking at on the screen here. Uh, because it makes it look like, oh, 60% of people or 55 or whatever think it's trust. But actually, when you take these things and you put them into a, a pie chart, you get a little bit of a better view. And thanks to the people on Twitter who did this for me. I really appreciate you guys. Um, but this pie chart's not perhaps going to make it as clear as this one. This is the pie chart that tells us the real results of the poll. Over 1,300 people voted. Um, about 30-something percent of those people were non-Christians and the rest were Christians. Now, when we take the Christian and non-Christian perspectives on faith and we smash them together, we get this poll right here, these pie charts right here. The non-Christian view of faith, based on the Twitter poll I did, is that faith is, generally speaking, belief without evidence. Now, the Christian view is almost exactly the opposite of that view. They simply saw faith. Uh, Faith as trust. Faith is simply just trust. That's what it is. This is what we're going to talk about today. Why is it that the Christian and non-Christian views were so completely polar opposites of each other? Why do the majority, the vast majority of Christians think it's simply trust and the non-Christians think it's belief without evidence? Um, let me also tell you, I'm going to be putting up people who on Twitter responded and an atheist who did his own poll in response to my poll, and I'll be talking about that as well. So welcome to the Tuesday live stream. I'm Pastor Mike Winger. I do this live stream every Tuesday at 5 p.m., um, at least currently. One day I may change the time, so in case you're watching this years from now, maybe I'm doing it on Thursdays or something. I don't know. You might check my uh, my YouTube page for data on that. Um, the, the purpose of the live stream is to help people learn to think biblically about everything. And when we're engaging with non-believers and we want to see people come to Christ and we say, I have faith in Jesus, and they think we mean, you believe Jesus for no reason at all. That's going to be a problem, isn't it? Um, so we're going to talk about why this definition of faith is so confused. And this will be the first live stream I've done where I have literally no notes. Because right now, I am prepping for a debate with Matt Dillahunty. I just wanted to share some ideas with you guys. I still wanted to produce, a, hopefully, a fruitful, thoughtful live stream. And... I'm going to let the notes be the people's comments on Twitter, actually, because there's quite a lot of stuff that was, was said about these things. Um, first off, why did I post the poll as faith is either belief without evidence or it's just trust? Why did I, why did I give those as the only two options? Why didn't I give a third option? Why didn't I say trust with evidence? Why didn't I give that as the other option? Um, and it's simply this, because I wasn't seeking to define the term faith in a Christian sense or a Buddhist sense, or a non-Christian sense, I was seeking to have a blanket definition of what does the word faith mean, period. When you use the word faith, this definition should fit every usage of the word. So I chose trust. Someone else said allegiance. I thought that was actually a pretty good definition as well. Um, so what makes trust different than belief without evidence? Well, belief without evidence is not just a claim about the person's belief, but it's a claim about their reasons for their belief. And this is where the non-Christian and Christians, you know, part ways you know, on this poll anyways. Um, the non-Christian was persuaded in general that faith is belief without evidence, meaning the thing you believe about Jesus, you have no evidence. The thing you believe about God, you have no evidence. The thing you believe about the Bible, there is no evidence to support that belief. The Christians, on the other hand, they rejected that definition and thought, I don't want to say there's no evidence. I think that that doesn't represent my faith in God, my faith in the Bible, my faith in Jesus. 
people took exception with this, okay? And I wanna talk about that exception and I wanna talk about some of the debate that went on on Twitter and uh, in messages I got regarding this poll. Um, one of the concerns was um, that, uh, that, that some Christians, they actually voted for faith as belief without evidence, which I would say is not biblical. I have a whole video on that, a whole video on why, why we should stop saying faith is belief without evidence. That's a, it's a non-Christian view. It's not biblical. It's not right. It's not sound. It's not rational. Um, and it's not theologically correct. But, but some people actually took exception to this. And I'm wondering why even 20%? Like, how did that happen? Well, I'll tell you the, the order of the poll. Actually, when I first put the poll out, I got a bunch of Christians voting on it right away. Very few non-Christians. And it was like uh, 8 to 1 was the ratio of Christians saying faith is belief is just trust versus one out of the eight would say faith is a belief without evidence. That was the ratio. Then I put out a request. Hey, non, non-believers, non-Christians, can you please share this poll so I can get more non-Christian perspectives? And all of a sudden the ratio of Christians, this was interesting, the ratio of Christians voting that faith is belief without evidence suddenly increased. And I, I began to suspect that while Christians are maybe not always aware of how this is sort of a hot button issue, Yet there are many non-believers who are aware because this is something that um, people, well, well, well-known well atheists are constantly harping on. They're saying faith is belief without evidence. So I was concerned that they would actually vote intentionally fraudulently in order to skew the poll. And one person actually did and said so. Uh, Jen, whose uh, Twitter handle is I wear Crocs a lot. She says, um, yes, but I voted as a Christian just to show how flawed this poll is. Look at me being contrarian, LOL. So Jen just says straight out, I purposely voted, and you can read the the thread, I purposely voted uh, saying, I'm a Christian, faith is belief without evidence, just to mess up the poll. So at least I have one person admitting that. Um, Also, we have some Christians who voted that faith is belief without evidence, and I think they were confused. And I'll give you an example of this, and I'm not trying to call anybody out, this is just meant to be... Like, this is, this is real life. We, this is the space we live in now, online, YouTube. This is where we live, right? So let's talk about reality. So Randall Haynes, um, he said that he voted for belief without evidence, but he wanted to explain himself. So here's one of the Christians who voted for belief without evidence. As I looked at his Twitter page, he's definitely a Christian. He says, I trust that if I walk on broken glass, I'll cut my feet, but that has nothing to do with my faith or belief. To quote Billy Graham, I've never seen the wind. I've seen the effects of the wind, so I know it exists, but I've never seen the wind. So I thought I wanted to press him a little bit more because I felt that when he said faith was belief without evidence, he didn't mean what a lot of people are thinking about when they say that. So I asked him, Randall, I said, would you consider the effects of the wind to be evidence for the wind? Because you can believe in the wind, even though I don't see it, yet I see the effects of it. So that's still evidence, right? Uh, And Randall responded, absolutely. That's where the wording of your question becomes confusing for me. Between trust and belief, I personally have to go with belief. But or excuse me, uh, he didn't say but there. He said, I would have preferred a choice C, belief with evidence. See, Randall's preference would be if if the poll said belief with evidence, he chose that other option because he just was a little confused by the wording of it. Meaning that I think that not only do we have some people, at least one person fraudulently voting wrong on the thing just to mess up the poll, we have some Christians who voted belief without evidence because they were just a little confused by the poll. I think that's kind of interesting. Um, here's some of the skeptic responses to this poll. Smopit, whose Twitter handle is at Smopzilla, says, uh, see, I don't have any clever Twitter handles or anything. Mine's like Mike Winger II. That's like my Twitter handle. It's so boring. Um, non-believer here. Honestly, when I say I have faith in, let's say, my friends, I would regard it as trust. But when it comes to things like God claims, I think it's belief without evidence. So what what... Smopit is getting at here is that there's this there's this really consistent view amongst a lot of non-believers, particularly atheists, especially atheists that I've encountered. I talked to a lot of them, where they think that when they use faith, they have good reason to use it. They can say, "I trust my wife. I have faith in my wife," and yet when Christians use it, it's 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 dumb dumb faith, right? It's it's belief without evidence. Yet the Christians are over here saying, "Uh uh-uh, uh, no, we have faith with evidence." We, we just think faith means I'm committing myself, I'm trusting, my allegiance is to this thing, but I have good reasons for my faith. And, um, and so it's interesting here that he's saying, I agree with the Christian definition when I'm using it for myself. But when Christians use it, I think the Christians are wrong on their definition. This is very confusing to me. I think it's part of a, um, whether it's intentional or not, part of a campaign by well-known atheists 
to confuse people on the definition of faith. I'm looking at you, Richard Dawkins. All right. Adam asks is a guy on Twitter who does SE. Can you tell by his Twitter handle? Adam does SE. SE is street epistemology. I did a video very recently on street epistemology where we looked at uh, the beginning of the book, A Manual for Creating Atheists. By the way, guys, if, if you want me to do more on The Manual for Creating Atheists, just let me know. Send me messages or whatever. Um, you know, because I would love to do more in, more on it, but I don't want to waste time on things people aren't going to watch. So maybe you can let me know. Um, but Adam does SE. He does street epistemology. He's always on, on my Twitter stuff. Hi, Adam. He's always on Twitter just asking questions over and over again. I don't really engage very often with Adam. No offense, Adam. It's just that you you always only ask questions and you don't seem to be concerned with the answers. That's the impression I have. That's the impression I get for a lot of street epistemologists. So I tend to not engage very often with that stuff because it's like a, a a giant, you know, time sucker from my from my life. And I'm interested in people who want answers, not just questions. Um, but he actually did his own poll on Twitter. Adam does SE. He says, opinion poll, what is faith? Because Adam felt like I was being too restrictive, potentially, right? You have just two options, and I don't like those options. So he just says, what is faith? Reply below with your definition. And he wanted people to specify if they were Christians or non-Christians. Um, now, this is some of the responses he got. Now, these big atheists, like this guy I'm going to show you next. The Thinking Atheist is a massive YouTube atheist, really well-known on his podcast. He's been interviewed on news ch channels and things like that. Um, the thinking atheist, this guy, he would not respond to my poll. These guys don't generally respond to content I put up online, but because Adam's in that click, they responded to him, which means we can look at his responses. And Adam told me I was welcome to use these as long as I plugged his Twitter. Well, there you go. Plug away. So Seth Andrews, the thinking atheist, um, here's his definition of faith. No poll being, no restricting, no poll restricting his definition. Here it is. He says, faith is a surrender to wish thinking, wish thinking. When we are unable or unwilling to root ourselves in complex um, and often hard realities of a natural world, we cannot control. Usually attached to an unseen spiritual force and often confused with hope, faith prompts us to declare things, to declare that we know what we do not know. Sadly, this often makes us sound like idiots. Um, that was Seth Andrews' definition of faith. Now, what's interesting is this, when you're part of a, of a niche group that says, hey, um, everybody out there, when they say faith, here's what they really mean. Yet when you go and you ask those people, do I, is that what you mean when you say faith? And they go, not at all. Not at all. That's not what I mean. Like, do you not recognize that something's wrong here? We're losing our ability to communicate with people. And in particular, in particular, what's happening is the non-Christian here looks at the Christian and thinks they're morons and they're, they, they're idiots and they look like idiots. But it's because of a mischaracterization. This is just a straw man of faith. I mean, no dictionary defines faith as this. Wish thinking when we're unable or unwilling to root ourselves in the complex and often hard realities of the natural world. This is just like blustering. It's just sort of self-righteous blustering. It's, it, that's how it comes off to me. And um, not helpful. But Seth Andrews, the thinking atheist, is one of the pillars in the atheist community online. Why do you think so many atheists are confused about the meaning of faith? Because the pillars say this kind of stuff. Another uh, street epistemology guy, a guy named uh, Reed Nicewonder, who does street epistemology. That's why his Twitter handle is, um, uh, oh, no, that's not his Twitter handle. I was looking at Adam Dust SE. I was like, why does he have the same Twitter handle? No, that's not his. But Reed, uh, he follows some of the strategies in this book, although many of them will distance themselves from Magnab uh, from uh, Bogosian because he's, like, really mean. Um, so they kind of distance themselves from him. But, but here's what he says. Reed says... Faith functions as a badge, a social signal to out-group members as a sign of loyalty to the in-group. When someone uses belief without evidence, the belief without evidence definition, it's a costly, costly signal, a sacrifice. Now he's going to imply, I'll read his larger quote, he, he quotes some book called The Elephant in the Brain, which is probably, a, probably is some sort of atheist type uh, material. And he's, he's saying here, Christians, when you say faith, what you're saying is, Look at how, how much I love God. I'm willing to sacrifice even thinking, right? Even reason. I'm willing to be irrational for Jesus. Like that's, this is really weird and messed up. Like I have a lot of faith in God, but I don't have this kind of thing, whatever this is. This is weird. So here's the quote from the book. Uh, Loyalty demands irrationality. As we saw in chapter five, contexts that reward loyalty are a breeding ground for self-deception and strategic irrationality. 
for our beliefs to function as loyalty signals, we cannot simply follow the facts and listen to reason. Instead, we have to believe things that are beyond reason, things that other less loyal people wouldn't believe. Okay, I mean, let's just start a group where we just we just marginalize and you and and, and psychoanalyze. My goodness, I have never been psychoanalyzed so bad as when I engage with the atheist community. You guys psychoanalyze me like crazy. Like you, you have my secret motives and oh, I'm really doing it for money. Oh, I'm I'm really doing it because I because I'm just scared of the truth because of I mean, it just. I never do this to skeptics. I don't psychoanalyze people because I don't know what's in your heart. Um, I think that this is a cheap shot and it's not even taking seriously the issue of Christianity or faith. Um, so there's Reed. He's one of the guys who does street epistemology on YouTube. Anthony Magnabosco, who um, I was interested to get his feedback when I did my, um, my poll, <clears throat> he says the following in his definition of faith. Now, in my poll, he wouldn't define faith. He actually commented on it, but he, he when he was asked, what, how would you define it? He wouldn't define it. But on this atheist poll, he was willing to define it maybe because it's more of his his crowd. Um, so Anthony says, uh, by the way, Anthony Magnabosco is probably the number one YouTube street epistemologist right now. Uh, the guy's training people on how to do street epistemology, promoting uh, some of the material that we see in uh, the Manual for Creating Atheists, all that kind of stuff. And if you haven't seen that video, uh, I encourage you to check it out. It's on my channel. It's just a few weeks old. Um, a manual for creating, creating atheists and how I think it's actually brainwashing people. And I think this is just confirmation. Um, so Anthony says, based on hundreds of chats with people, my definition of faith for supernatural claims is untestable truth. Notice he has a special definition. Faith, when it's applied to any claim that's supernatural. Jesus rose from the dead. The Bible is inspired by, by God. Um, I have a relationship with Jesus. Like those are supernatural claims. He goes, when it, whenever it's a claim like that, it's based on untestable truth. So not only is there no evidence, there couldn't be a way to even check for evidence. There's no way to test it. He says, for non-supernatural claims, I'm fine with trust. So this is, this is bad. This is like not, this is not helping the conversation between Christians and non-Christians about truth. As you are likely aware, I'll entertain and accept my interlocutor's definition for the duration of the dialogue. Interlocutor is a is, is it's not a term that's unique to street epistemology, but they often like to use that term to refer to whoever they're talking to who has a faith belief, um, and they're going to call them an interlocutor. So he's willing to accept their definition, but but what he has is he has two definitions of faith: one for when he has it, or one when it's about non supernatural claims. Oh, then it's just trust. But if it's about a supernatural claim, it's trust that's untestable. So this is just anti supernaturalism. It's a thin veil for anti-supernaturalism, and that's what this is ultimately kind of coming down to. In fact, in my studies, when I look at atheists responding to philosophical arguments for God, atheists responding to um, evidence for the resurrection of Christ, for the inspiration of scriptures, for fulfillment of prophecy, consistently, when you walk through the arguments, you eventually get down to anti-supernaturalism. Um, supernatural stuff can't be true, couldn't possibly happen, or perhaps if it did happen, you can't prove it, or, um, or, or something along those lines, or some reason why you should just never believe it regardless of the evidence. Um, that's what it usually comes down to. And that's why their special definition of faith is applied, I think, to Christians unjustly. Okay, this, these are former, three different former Christians responded to, um, Adam Asks responded to his, his request on Twitter. So here's what they said. I find this especially interesting because you'd think if the majority of Christians, the vast majority of Christians are saying faith isn't belief without evidence, then I'm interested to know what former Christians who are now atheists might say, right? Because are they going to be like the majority of Christians or are they going to have like a special definition? And here's what they say. Three of them responded. I put all three of them up here for you. Um, Volker Dittmer says, intelligence can be defined broadly as changing your mind or your beliefs based on the new information you get. Faith is holding onto your beliefs no matter what new information you get. Basically, faith is the logical opposite to intelligence. Me, ex-Christian atheist. Like, did Volker think this when he was a Christian? So, like, if, if, if someone asked him, like, Volker, like, you believe in the Bible. Um, is your belief in the Bible, do, would you describe that as something you'll hold on to no matter what new information you get? Is that, is that what you think faith is? When Jesus says, uh, you believe in God, believe also in me, do you think Jesus was saying, 
you, you believe in God, no matter what new information you get. I want you to believe in me, no matter what new information you get. What I want you to do is have a position towards me that is the opposite of intelligence. Like, obviously not. So why would a former Christian, at least in claim, why would he have such a weird definition of faith? The next one here, Charles Moss. Um, he responded and said to Adam, does SC, he says, former Christian turned atheist. Faith is a denial of observation so that belief is preserved. Denial of observation so that belief is preserved. So faith, in his opinion, is actively denying evidence. Not only It's not just because we've heard so far faith is believing with no evidence. We've also heard faith is um, an untestable belief. That was Anthony Magnabosco. And now we're hearing from Charles Moss that faith is actually actively denying evidence. Denying things you see. Like I'm, I, I see that... Um, there's evidence proving me wrong, but I'm just going to deny it anyways. What kind of a Christian was he? Um, that's, yeah, that's weird. Finally, we have um, Greg Mott who says, let me move my, I'm way too big. Nah, that, that'll work. Okay, so Greg Mott, Motter, excuse me, uh, Greg Motter says, while a Christian, I defined faith as Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is being sure of what I hoped for, being certain of what I could not see. By the way, Hebrews 11.1 1 is not the definition of faith. It's a description of faith. Hebrews, that's why some translations put it um, um, instead of like, it's. I don't know what translation he's using here, but instead of evidence for the things you don't see, it's confidence about things you haven't seen. And then it goes on to big list. By faith, Noah did this. Abraham did this. The description of how they lived their lives, demonstrating that they really did believe. So it's so Hebrews 11, 1 is talking about what faith looks like in the life of a believer. It's not talking about the definition of what faith is like caused by, why you have faith. That is not what Hebrews 11, 1 is about. That's why we have verses in scripture like where Jesus, he heals the paralytic and he, he okay, this paralytic gets lowered through the roof. Think about this. What did Jesus think faith was, right? The paralytic gets lowered through the roof and the man is lying there paralyzed. He can't move. Jesus looks at him and he says, your sins are forgiven you. And the people are like, you can't forgive sins. They're mad at him, right? You can't forgive. Only God can forgive sins. And then Jesus decides to prove that he has the power to forgive sins. And here's what he does. He says, don't you know faith is the denial of evidence and believing things that you know are not true? No, he doesn't say that garbage, right? Jesus says, so that you will know the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins. Get up and walk. So the guy gets up and walks and he can walk. So Jesus is saying, I evidentially prove to you that when I claim I can forgive, I really can. So Jesus inspired faith with evidence, and this is consistent through the scriptures. I have videos that talk about this. It's not really the topic of today, so I'll just give you those two examples. Um, but Greg Motter goes on. He says, I always let the person I'm talking to, to uh, de define it since there, is, there are such varying definitions with religion. I would say I simplified this definition as faith is believing based on what I hope is true rather than needing observable evidence before believing. In other words, faith is believing based on hope rather than evidence. Faith is believing based on hope. I believe in God. Why? Because I hope so. Greg, I don't think you're being deceitful, right? Greg Motter, if you're watching this, I don't think you're being deceitful, sir. I just think if that was your understanding of faith, I'm not surprised you're an atheist. That's not faith, biblically speaking, or rationally speaking. Um, faith based on evidence is really the standard in the Christian view. So those are the former Christians, supposed former Christians. It's weird that they have such an unchristian view of faith to look back on. You'd think they would be able to define it in a very Christian way, but they didn't. And I think maybe that has something to do with the fact that they're now atheists. Another guy, J.D. Flyer, he defines faith um, as faith is belief in an ever-receding pocket of scientific ignorance, supernatural belief to explain as of yet unknown, undiscovered phenomena is an appeal to ignorance. Um, I mean, that would be a whole other video <laughs> to talk about that. This is the God of the gaps thing. Oh, that's just God of the gaps. Um, we should do a whole thing on that sometime. But, but, but th this is silly. Okay, so for instance, I'm about to have a debate in two days with Matt Dillahunty. We're going to talk about evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Evidence for the resurrection of Christ. The whole premise of this debate rebuts J.D. Flyer. 
the whole idea behind the debate is that we have using scientific and historical methods and archaeological methods, right? We're, we're looking into the evidence of the first century and we're saying what best explains the evidence and the conclusion is the resurrection of Jesus best explains the available evidence. This is entirely an argument to best explanation, not an argument to most ignorant faith, blind faith based explanation. That's silly. Um, ever receding pocket of scientific ignorance. Science, science isn't designed to test all things. It, you know, we're ta- if we're talking about science that's based upon um, laboratory tests and rigorous, repeatable, demonstrable, falsifiable things, that science isn't even designed to test all things. And the truth is, for J.D. Flyer, most of the things he believes, he believes based upon testimony, not science. He heard science says that, but he believes it based on someone's testimony. And, and if we think deeply about these things, then we find that this is just, um, it's just an arrogant dismissal of Christian truth and marginalizing people. And this is something that's gone on for years and years. It's why Christians and non-Christians have a hard time talking. Because a Christian comes and says, I'd like to talk to you about my faith. And the, and, and the skeptic perhaps hears, I'm a dumb, dumb, num num, and I want you to be one too. And it doesn't really work. Um, here's, I think, unfortunately, um, how some people see us as Christians. Faith is pretending to know things you don't. Where does that come from? Well, that's the manual for creating atheists, where he actually has a whole chart I shared with you guys last time. Remember that? He has a whole chart towards the very beginning of the book. I want to see if I can find it real quick. Um, of of things that people really mean. They, they're secret meanings when they say they believe God. Um, am I really not able to find the chart? It was like three pages in this book. This is what happens when you're on live. It's right there. Just look. Okay. So the chart is all these things where he's like, Whenever you hear them say, I believe in God, what you should really hear is, I pretend to know things I don't know about God. Well, you've been brainwashed, my friend. Gino, man, you've been brainwashed by uh, Peter Boghossian and his ilk. And it's not smart. Um, but this is how people see us. And how can I talk to Gene if he thinks this, this lowly of my opinions? If he, if he won't listen to evidence, because he, he, in his head he's thinking, Mike doesn't really have evidence. He's not really trying to give me evidence for God. He's really... He's really playing a game because I know secretly when Mike says I believe in God, Mike means I pretend to know things I don't know about God. Jeremy Duncan says, I like Dillahunty's definition of faith. Faith is the excuse people give when they don't have a good reason. If they had a good reason, they'd give that. I know it's snarky and things are more complicated than that though. So Jeremy realizes there's something a little fishy about this definition, but he still likes it and he's still willing to use it. And I think that there's a problem there. Um, Matt Dillahunty's on record as saying that faith is believing things you know aren't true. He's also on record as saying that faith is the excuse people give when they don't have good, good reasons. He's also on record as saying faith is belief with evidence. And Matt seems like his definition of faith changes depending on the audience he's with. And um, hopefully we won't have a debate on the definition of faith when we have our discussion uh, in a couple days. Um, but I can say, based on scripture and based on reason, this is not the definition of faith. Michael J. Hooper says, faith is believing something to be true when you have absolutely no confirmation of that truth, nor do you care. That's about the nastiest view you can possibly have towards people of faith. You clearly don't even care about truth. Faith means you don't care about truth. Um, How are we supposed to have thoughtful, honest conversations where we point people to Christ if this is the image they have in our heads? This happened to the early church. You know, the early church... Um, was was sometimes marginalized and attacked. Um, uh, Jesus, it was said of Jesus that that he was propagating destroying the temple. Destroying the temple. Um, now to a Jew, that's like saying, you think faith is belief without evidence. Um, it, in other words, I'm not even going to listen to you now because you're, oh, you're one of those guys that wants to destroy the temple. Oh, you're one of those guys that, that, that thinks, you know, faith, I believe in faith is belief without evidence. Like, I don't want to listen to you. Why would I even, even consider your thoughtful, careful case for Christianity, it's all just a sham. It's all just a joke. You're not sincere. You're not for real. Now, some people accused me of um, somehow skewing the results of my poll. But what they didn't know, and this I like, I'm happy to share with you right now, is, um, oh, by the way, uh, I'm going to go to your guys' questions in like two minutes. So you can load your questions in the chat. Put a capital Q at the beginning of your question, and AJ is going to send me those questions over. Um, so in the live chat, I am live with you right now, and I will try to answer your guys' questions as many as I can with the time I have. 
So here's the last thing I want to say before we go to the Q&A. Uh, some people thought that my poll was somehow skewed or invalid. Well, first off, I'm just looking to see what people think so we can have good conversations. I'm not trying to create a scientific study that I can use to prove things. Um, but secondly, I'm not the only guy that's done the same poll. In fact, there was a debate between Tim McGrew and um, the author of this book, uh, Bogosian, and they actually got into a discussion about the definition of faith, which should happen every time Bogosian talks to people because he has a wrong definition. And it's a harmful definition. Um, and Bogosian was like, no, 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 no. Okay, Tim McGrew, you know, you think Christians have faith with evidence, but really you're just, you're just full of baloney. When I talk to real Christians, real Christians, they fully admit they have belief without evidence. Well, they did a poll on their Facebook page, just like my poll, a little bit different though. Let's look at the results of their poll um, to see what the responses were. By the way, I will read these things to you because I realize how small they are for, for people watching on cell phones. Um, Okay, there was two polls, really, a, a poll towards the Christians and a poll towards the non-Christians. And the question was different than my question, but it's very interesting. The question towards the Christians and non-Christians was, do you agree that when Christians use the word faith, they mean believing something even though it is not supported by evidence? The non-Christian poll was worded exactly the same. Do you agree that when Christians use the word faith, they mean believing something even though it is not supported by evidence? The Christians... 9% said yes, 91% said no. The atheists, um, 70, or excuse me, 28% said, uh, said no, 72% said yes. And as you can see with the visual on your screen, they're flip-flopped, uh, almost, almost completely flip-flopped. Again, it's a situation where the, I say atheists, forgive me, non-Christians, the non-Christians who could have been Buddhists, they could have been Hindus, they could have been uh, pagans, they could have been anything, um, they predominantly view Christians as having faith with no evidence, whereas the Christians predominantly view themselves as having evidence. Very interesting. This is one reason why it's hard to talk about the issue, because I kind of have to overcome the idea that when I say I believe, you assume I have no evidence. Yet, the reason I'll give you for my belief is going to be a lot of evidence. So... I'm going to go to your guys' questions, and uh, hopefully this is fruitful, if nothing else, to break down some barriers. Uh, to a non-Christian, if you're listening to me, um, I would encourage you to, to stop saying that Christians have no reason for what they believe. Um, I think, it's, I think it's, um, it's trying to take a cheaty way to win an argument that ultimately isn't doing much. All right, so... Um, AJ has sent me over some questions. The first one is from Pine Creek, and I really appreciate uh, you guys joining me. Doug, thanks for joining me, man. Doug is an atheist uh, who is also a street epistemology type guy. He kind of sometimes he says he is, sometimes he says he's not really, and I don't know. Seems like he is to me, but um, he says, can one rank their level of faith? If so, do you have more faith than a, that a pin will fall down to the floor if you drop it or the resurrection of Jesus? Um, well, I don't know that you can compare those things. Um, one is a predictive thing about the future. One is a statement about history. So in one sense, um, a, a pin is based on natural laws. It's like I repeat it over and over again, so I can highly expect it'll happen again. But with the resurrection of Jesus, because it's a, a past event, it's fixed. It's like either it happened or it didn't. There's, there isn't even any guessing about it. Whereas I'm sort of predicting the future. So in one sense, the resurrection of Jesus is more reliable. <clears throat> on another sense, um, because the resurrection of Jesus is a distant event, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that question. But this is a great example of a street epistemology question <clears throat> because I, I, I'm just going to put it on display here, but the, the purpose, I think, behind the question is to ink doubt in in any way, shape, or form, like any way I can to get you doubt just the tiniest, tiniest bit. Um, I would say I that this sort of question when Christians are asked it and then they try to wrestle with how to answer the question, it's just meant to cause them to have some psychological doubt. The question is not actually interesting. <laughs> Neither is the answer. It's the doubt that Doug is interested in. And Doug's on record many times, Doug, you've said that you want to create doubt in people's minds and you're willing to use irrational methods to do it. But this is, to me, that's the nail in the coffin with street epistemology. Um, so yeah, um, I am confident in the resurrection for so many reasons, um, both historical, but also that I won't even be able to do in the debate, prophetic uh, reasons, 
um, plus personal experience, plus uh, the interconnectedness of the scripture. I, I, in a sense, I have more kinds of evidence for the resurrection than I do for the pin falling, but I have such reliable evidence for the pin falling that I, I believe both of those things. Um, Shannon Q says, uh, isn't trust, trust? If you have evidence, isn't it then knowledge? Um, you know, that's a good question, Shannon. Um, if you, if you have trust and you have evidence, isn't it, is it knowledge? I guess, I guess it'd be knowledge, but I don't know. I don't know why faith can't be about things I know either. So I don't know why something being knowledge is not faith, right? Because I know it, but I also trust it. I also have faith. I, so faith is that point where you don't just go, I, not only do I intellectually know that Jesus, you know, is the Lord, but I, but I trust him. I, I choose to entrust my heart and my life to him. That's that. That's why I put trust in there. It's that's why some people said um, allegiance is I, my allegiance is to that truth. So knowledge and faith can go hand in hand. Um, let's see. We have another question from Joe C J. Question for Mike: Can you explain how Old Testament believers were saved by faith prior to Christ's work on the cross? Yeah, um, that's a long. The I'll, okay, I'll give you the short answer, Josie. But I have a long answer, and maybe one of the mods can grab my video on. Uh, what about those who never hear the gospel? Because I go through the Old Testament and talk about this issue and give a bunch of scripture to support it. Um, and if you can maybe put one of the mods can put that in the in the comment section, that would be really great. But what what we have, it seems to me, with the Old Testament is we have people being saved back then the same as we are now. And Romans Romans four uh, kind of brings this home. So let me just bring us there. Romans four. Um, so the question is kind of like, how was Abraham saved? And this is sort of what he's asking in Romans four. He says, what shall we say, um, was gained by Abraham, our father, according to the flesh. And by, he says, according to the flesh, Paul, in context of Romans, he's, he's debunking the idea that people are saved by their good works, by, by the works of their flesh, by their efforts, but instead they're saved by faith. So he's going to give a case that Abraham was saved by faith. So Josie, this is like, right, right in line scripture, answering your question. What shall we say was gained by Abraham, our father, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now the one who works, his wages are not counted as gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Then he gives another example. David, just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. So uh, Romans 4, he's building a case for um, how these Old Testament people were saved by faith. And it goes to, let me see if I can get the link to it. Genesis 15, 6 is the quote. So here we have in Genesis, Abraham, the, the example to the Jews in so many ways, um, the father of faith in a sense. And it says he believed the Lord. And he counted, God counted it to him, Abraham, as righteousness. So was Abraham saved? Yes. How? By faith. Um, how was his sins paid for? By Jesus on the cross. But his, he was, he received it by faith. Um, yeah. So he had, did he have all the knowledge? <clears throat> no, he didn't know everything that we know now about Jesus, but he did respond in faith to what God had revealed and God gave him grace accordingly. Uh, Monica Poole asks a question. How does street epistemology line up with the second half of Romans chapter one? That is, has God given these atheists over to their foolish beliefs? My definition, faith is acting on belief. Yeah, I, that actually, I, that's interesting how you put that out. I like that definition, Monica. It's interesting because um, there's, there's a commitment that's implied of faith, with faith, not just an intellectual agreement, but a, a life that is invested in that thing. Um, so how does street epistemology line up with the second half of Romans one? Romans one... Um, I mean, it, it lines up more specifically with, with atheism than it does with, um, well, atheism, paganism, you name it, anything that denies God's existence or replaces him with something else. Um, let me think if I should read some of this to you guys. So everybody can have context to be on the same page. Um, yeah, let's bring it up. So how does this relate to street epistemology? Um, I'll give you one answer that won't, people won't maybe like this answer. I do believe it's very true though. And it's worth saying, um, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who through, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. There's, there's a suppression of truth for those who are rejecting God. Um, for what can be known ab about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them 
his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived. That's a, that's a statement of evidence, by the way. Um, Romans 1 is saying that creation has made evident the truth of God's existence. So this is evidence. Creation is evidence for God. When we do the teleological argument or the cosmological argument or, or one of the cosmological arguments, or we have an arguments from morality or just you name it, <clears throat> we have evidence for God. That's what Romans 1, I think, is talking about. And you don't need to be a philosopher to get it. Um, but even deep philosophers can uh, can take advantage of those, those evidences and form careful arguments. Um, so they've been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God nor give him thanks uh, nor <clears throat> or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to become, become wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of God the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to do impurity. And then it goes on. It talks about how um, they, uh, they commit sins um, and they exchange the truth of uh, God for a lie and how God gave them up. That's a continued theme there. God gave them up. They didn't see fit to acknowledge God. So God gave them up to a debased mind. <clears throat> Here's the idea. The two judgments I see in Romans 1 on those who reject the evidence for God, um, the truth of God, is sin. They're given over to sin, but they're also given over to a godless mind. I don't say that there are no atheists. Um, I think that there are no atheists with excuses to be atheists. Like, you have evidence. I'm asking you to take a look at it again. Um, I'm not saying that as an insult. I'm saying there's no excuse to not believe in God with the evidence we have available to us. Romans 1 seems to be saying that as well. Um, a lot more could be said about that, but there's a couple thoughts. Uh, Christian Ayers says, can you do a study on Babylon of Revelation and the parallels with Jerusalem? Um, that would be very interesting, um, although that's probably not going to happen anytime relatively soon. I'm getting ready to do a, a study verse by verse through the Gospel of Mark, where I'll be doing a lot of apologetics as well. Um, it'll, I'm really excited about Mark. I hope you guys get excited about it. It'll be coming out pretty much every week, uh, starting in May. Um, a new video each week going through it, dealing with the passages, the theology, the apologetics of it, defense of, of the gospel, as well as what it means and getting the truth of it into our hearts and lives. So really living biblically, thinking biblically. That's the plan coming up. Um, <clears throat> Josh Housen says, hi, Mike, I'm still living uh, in my parents' home. Is it my place to be confronting my father about spiritual issues when I believe that he's in error? Um, yes, it is, Josh. Uh, but it, that doesn't that doesn't mean a blanket yes. Like you go and you confront everything. God give you wisdom, Josh, to know what's worth confronting and wisdom on when to confront it and how to confront it and creating space and opportunities, um, trying to speak in ways that your dad can hear you. And, uh, and may he give you wisdom. Um, uh, I'm admittedly not always the best at that. Um, uh, I think probably though, as I look back at my life, I wish I had spoken up more, not less. I think I was <clears throat> overly quiet on topics where I see people having spiritual error in their lives and I regret not reaching out more uh, because I was just, it was just uncomfortable, um, just to be honest. Fabio um, says, Mike, do you believe in once saved, always saved? I'm, I'm a little bit on the fence on that topic, Fabio. I'm sorry I can't weigh in on it. Uh, one day I'd like to get more clarity and help people with it, but I'm, I'm honestly not certain. Uh, I'm not saying I think that I don't believe once saved. I'm saying I really honestly am not sure what to say on that yet. And I want the only way I can think to keep me keep myself from teaching something wrong is to not teach it until I feel very confident I have a biblical understanding and then to bring it. Until then, that's in my don't teach on this yet, Mike, category because I'm just not sure what to say. Um, Hagervids says, how come the disciples have little faith to cast out demons when faith as tiny as a mustard seed can move a mountain? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, so it's not about how big your faith is and yet they were told they were oh you of little faith interestingly jesus also said that they had um that that kind only comes out by fasting and prayer which is a really interesting idea that same story so maybe there's something to be said there that they <clears throat> had some kind of spiritual condition that was not ready to deal with this issue perhaps um, but uh, but i do think we're comparing two different you know faith as little as a mustard seed is one story you have little faith over here that's a different story and we might be comparing them incorrectly um, yeah, and I think there may be more to the whole mustard seed idea of faith that I'm not grabbing onto yet. Um, Isaiah Jones says, uh, 
I'm 15 and God wants me to be a pastor. Do you have advice or helpful tips for me? Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, Isaiah, I have some tips for you, man. Um, I recommend um, several things. The first thing I'll say is sometimes in, in ministry, it can, and when you're talking to people, there's like people have this sort of psychological confusion about ranks, spiritual ranks, like who's higher, who's this and who's that. All that is baloney. Just ignore it completely. Your task is first character and your personal walk with Jesus Christ. That is the number one calling of a pastor, your personal character and integrity in your walk with Christ. Number two is then having clear, biblical, thoughtful, careful doctrine that you lovingly share with other people. Um, so I would recommend you read slowly the pastoral epistles, First and Second Timothy and Titus. Slowly read them. Really linger long in the descriptions of the um, of the qualifications of leadership, and really spend your time on that. And know that it is um, the man you are is is what has to be dealt with before the ministry you do, and that is a huge huge deal. Um, starts with character, and then when it comes to giftings and serving and all that, you just do everything you can for Jesus. Doesn't matter if it's wonderf wonderfully lofty, like well respected, or if it's just cleaning toilets. Like it doesn't matter. Um, you just serve the Lord everywhere you can and. In the church, you tend to naturally fall into your gifts as you just keep serving God. Because you, you through doing everything you can for Jesus, you find stuff you end up being good at and stuff people are blessed in. And then you do more of that. Um, so th those would be a couple recommendations for you. Um, avoid comparing yourself to others. Avoid the pride and the ego and the arrogance that comes with all that, all that stuff. And focus on your character and get your doctrine right and, uh, and share in humility and love. And be a wonderful person in every way. Um, <clears throat> all right. So here's a skeptic question from ben Benjamin Acampo. He says, uh, what was your definition of faith at age 12 immediately after being born again in Jesus Christ? What evidence did you have other than feelings? Actually, here, here's something interesting, um, Benjamin. Uh, my definition of faith would have been believing. I, I, I wouldn't have thought that much more about it. I would have thought faith is believing. Like, yeah, faith, I believe it. Yeah, I believe it. I really believe it. I mean it. I really mean it. That would be... Believe in when you really mean it. That was that would be how my twelve-year-old self would define faith. Now I'd be a little more careful, right? Um, but what when you say what evidence did I have other than feelings? That actually is is I think wrong. Um, I had actually life experience. Um, I had an experience of a life before I knew God, and then I had an experience of a whole different life after I knew God. Now I'm you're gonna some people are just gonna hear me. Oh, Mike's just preaching. I'm being completely transparent here. Before I knew God. I was depressed. I was a sad kid. Ask my family, okay? I was a sad kid who was depressed. That was the reality of my life. When I came to Christ, I had joy and I had peace and I sensed a relationship with God that was not bound to the walls of the church. It was as though I knew God and I was walking with God and it changed my life and it changed my joy. And that's, if you want to say that's just feelings, um, then, you, then you're assuming that it wasn't a real relationship. You're assuming your conclusion. If atheism is true, then I was just in some psychological whippy-woo. But if, but if Christianity is true, it was a lot more than feeling. I encountered the real living God and I experienced a relationship with him. Years later, when I wanted to test my faith to see if I wasn't just crazy, I thought, what if, what if I'm just delusional? Um, I found so much evidence uh, to support those experiences. But it turns out, after looking at all the evidence that those experiences I had with God were actually very trustworthy because the evidence has bore them out as true. Um, this is a question from, if I can find it, uh, Ryan Burke says, uh, Hey Mike, what are your thoughts on the Eastern Orthodox Church? I've watched most of, uh, most all your videos on refuting the authority of the Roman Catholic Church, but nothing on the Orthodox. Um, you know, because Ryan, I haven't studied deeply into the Orthodox Church and here's what I know about it or what I've understood to be true about it is that the Orthodox Church, um, <clears throat> they have a different position towards truth that makes it difficult to understand their actual doctrines and I wouldn't want to address them until I really understood their doctrines and their positions really well. Um, so they, they seem to have a, I want to say a squirrely definition of truth um, and it makes it hard for me to address their stuff, but perhaps I haven't, haven't looked into it enough. So maybe one day if I get deep in, deep enough into it, I'd love to help and try, try to bring content, but I don't want to, I don't want to teach on stuff. I don't understand. Um, I can't cover every topic just because I don't know every topic. Um, so yeah.
Um, another one from, uh, oh, nope, that one already read. Okay, so I'll tell you what, guys. I am going to do a debate with Matt Dillahunty, who is one of the top atheists online, for sure, uh, much better known than I am. And um, and Matt Dillahunty is going to be defending the position that faith or that belief in the resurrection of Jesus Christ is unreasonable. And I'm defending the position that belief in the resurrection is reasonable. That's the debate. It's coming on Thursday. It's going to be on Capturing Christianity's YouTube channel. I'll, I will put a link in the description for this video once I get done with the live stream. I'll, I'll, mental note, I will put a link down there. And I really appreciate your prayers um, for this debate. My goal going in, I'll be straight, is I want to convince non-believers to believe in Jesus and to give their lives to Christ because he rose from the dead. And that's my goal going into the debate. Um, I feel good and confident about the evidence and I feel good about my arguments. But at the same time, you know, um, a debate is a debate and and it's like everyone has a plan for the fight until the first punch is thrown you know that's kind of what they say so we'll see how it really goes i hope i can do well i hope i can represent christ not only in character but in the veracity of christianity in the truthfulness of the resurrection of which there is abundant evidential support in history um hopefully i can get that message across in our debate and in the back and forth i can demonstrate why i think matt's positions are unreasonable when it comes to this issue so I hope that, uh, yeah, I hope it helps. Um, you guys, I'm going to call it for today. Thank you so much for joining me with, with for the live stream. We'll be back next Tuesday for the Tuesday live stream. And I, um, I, I just wanted to talk about faith because uh, if nothing else, for the non-believer who might be listening, if you hear Christians say faith and you think they mean something they don't mean, then you're not communicating. The truth is we have actually a lot of evidence and we'd like to share it with you. Because you should believe in Jesus Christ. Because all that all that stuff, all that hokey kid stuff from children's church where we hear about how Jesus died on the cross to forgive you because God loves you, it's true. It's all true. Every bit of it. It's true. God loves you. And there's a purpose and meaning for your life. Yet you've sinned against him and you need to, you need to put your faith in Christ. Not because of a lack of evidence, no. But because of every possible reason. The evidence and the need. It's all there. It's all true. So Lord bless you guys. Thank you to my mods for helping out and being involved with the stream. And um, we'll be back. Oh, if, oh, I, I, I don't want to forget to mention, um, I am going full-time with this ministry. So if you want to support it, you can go to BibleThinker.org. And there's like a, a donate spot there to support this ministry. I'm doing that. And I'll, I'll put out in a video soon just explaining the whole situation with my church. I'm still with my church. But I want to explain and answer those questions about why I'm going full-time. And, uh, and what I think the Lord is doing through this ministry. It, it's... It's been really blessed, um, really blessed, and I, I can't wait to do more of it. I feel like we're just getting started. So, Lord bless you. Have a great day.